Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Alien. In the year 1979. Oh, there we go. John Hurt lived up to his name. More like John Payne. Yeah, I guess he's not doing the hurting. No, he's not doing the hurting. Because that's like a it's like a short sentence, John Hurt. There's no object, period. So you should have an object, though. We're English teachers. We know this. Do you need one? Yeah, you do. Okay. John hurt an alien. An alien hurt John. John <gasps> hurts. John hurts. There we go. Okay. We just John hurts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like he's electric. Uh, hi, this is Matt here. This is Luke. This is a and this sci-fi. is Jessica. No, <laughs> Jessica. No, you can, you can come in right there if you want. We'll, we'll Great. go for the sci-fi sanctuary just because already introduced herself but if you want to hear more about her she does she's the co-host of mission log the orville and pertinent to today's film alien she's involved oh. with the uh female improv group ripley so there was no other name was there there was no other name yeah yeah and th- this movie's i guess the uh the starting point for that um as far as where i first came into this one you know growing up in the 80s uh we, i saw aliens first because that's the one where you needed to know the lines to quote at the the elementary school playground you know so you could start shouting game over at your friends and all that got stuff. it that was your that was your timeline of like impactful culture media like you yeah. need to know that one yeah you needed to be able to at least kind of fake the knife game for for the other boys at the school right is this is this one quotable as quotable is that one not at all that's why it took me a few extra years to see alien also Mm. i I think by the late 80s it was kind of understood that aliens uh, alien is a little more like hardcore than aliens as far as the the, um what's the word i'm looking for the the slurp your brains out factor or burst your chest factor i should should say so (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly right but uh, so i don't think i've ever seen aliens i saw the one in the movie theater with winona Ryder. it's resurrection and, right which i know is not anything anyone likes but i have seen alien obviously because our improv group is named after ripley mine is more like matt i grew up just watching the vhs collection of action movies my uncle had so mostly schwarzenegger but occasionally aliens got thrown in there Got it. Yeah. Yeah. My dad had the same kind of taste. It was definitely Terminator or Eraser, uh, <laughs> you know, and then Alien definitely had a rotation in there. So I'm for sure. sure he would have tried to get me to watch. Like I watched Aliens. That was fine. Mm. And I'm sure he would have tried to get me to watch Alien once, but I probably found it pretty boring as a kid. 
Why? What? There's no much fighting in it. I'm, I'm not saying now. I'm saying when I'm like I, four. You're totally <laughs> right. There's nothing. There's nothing to hold on to your interest at that age. Absolutely, yeah. you're totally right. Yeah. So it would have been when I was in like junior high school, high school, when I started buying up my own film collection. I would have watched the whole series and been like, "Oh, okay, Aliens are really good." Mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah, I can't really pin down the first time I've seen it, but I, I definitely um, tend to revisit it quite often and um i think i mentioned a few weeks ago but i I do chicken out on the egg scene every time and fast forward through that one it i mean the effects are will will stand the test of time that is a freaky friggin egg i'm (laughs) telling you and if that's what bodies look like in the the human in our in our womb i don't want it <laughs> i don't want to have a baby at all <laughs> i know they don't but damn uh, it's just it's gross it's a lot also don hurts an idiot let's just let's just <laughs> get it out there i understand that they are are not science people they are not they are thrust into a position of exploration of life that was not part of their job description but don't touch the egg it's more it. forgivable here than when you get to Prometheus and they are supposed to be scientists. That's a really good, really good point. So um, I do the mission log, the Orville for Roddenberry's channel. And one of the episodes of the Orville, this most recent season, literally some, someone says, what are you doing? Don't touch that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, don't have you never been? And that guy ends up getting infected because he like touched. Oh, no. Someone stops someone else from touching it. And then another guy who's like vice admiral goes, let me just touch the wall and then becomes an alien. It's so I know that you can't have dramatic storytelling without a couple dummies, but still. But yeah, yeah, I'll definitely give him under because the guy in Prometheus, too, he's like he's like terrified of everything in there. And then when he sees something actually terrifying, that's when he becomes interested. <laughs> so kind of kind well, of well i think that's pretty normal though i haven't seen prometheus but um I, sometimes when i'm at my most petrified is when i have to act the most you know that like that's when you're inspired the most well like i have no other choice right now mm. i can understand that i guess i'll go ahead and give a quick run of the plot just to refresh folks so here we go crew of the space rig Nostromo are awakened early from hypersleep as the ship has detected some kind of anomalous signal on a moon it's passing by. Company policy says that they must explore, though they will get a bonus in the process. The ship detaches from its cargo, lands on the moon, and finds a large, strange, weirdly phallic alien spacecraft that has crashed on the surface. 
Executive Officer Kane becomes very interested in the eggs that are incubating at the base of the spacecraft and gets a face hugger right on his face. The away team returns to the ship and Warrant Officer Ripley tells them they cannot come in because of quarantine, but Science Officer Ash disagrees and allows the away team in. It's a conundrum with Kane. They find the alien blood is acidic and burns through the ship. But eventually, all is well. Kane is back, and it's time for a takeout Chinese dinner. Don't know where they got the takeout from. Unfortunately, Kane has a massive case of heartburn. A strange alien creature bursts out of his chest and runs off. The crew gets ready to hunt down and neutralize this strange intruder, but it's a smart, cunning, killing intruder. It takes out the crew one by one, including Captain Dallas and some of the engineers. Ripley learns from the main computer system mother that actually this kind of is the mission. The company wants the alien And Ash, that science officer, he is actually an android, hell-bent on bringing the ship back with the surviving alien. Ripley's about the only one left, so she manages to rip Ash's head off and sets an Astromo for self-destruct. Along with her cat, she makes it to the escape shuttle, only to find that the alien is also on the escape shuttle. With a wild underwear battle, she finds her way into a spacesuit, decompresses, and the alien is blasted into space. Ripley goes into her own hypersleep, back to Earth, confident that she's won the day and all is well. Wow. Did I hear Kirby mentioned while I was on mute? No. Oh, yes. My best friend's son is all Kirby. He's been playing the games. My two coffees in two different Kirby mugs. Stop it. <laughs> That's so impressive. But One I don't of them, have I think, was a Christmas present for Matt. Aw. Yes, it's true. Yes, yes. Gotta get, gotta get the novelty mug every here and again. <laughs> um. So I guess the the main well, there's lots of actors to talk about in this movie. Uh, Sigourney Weaver obviously is the name that everyone thinks of, but uh, even for her, like she doesn't do that much until probably about the halfway point. 
Mm. Oh, she does so much more than that. That in the entire in the beginning of the film, she's. I, I understand what you're saying, but she's the most logical person on the ship the entire time well, and, I, from the get out. I'm not talking about her, um, like her her abilities. I'm just talking about how the film treats her as a lead character. It does do a good job of. I mean, obviously now we all know, but if you go into the film not knowing, it doesn't say like this is the one who lives from the start. That's a real. That's a really good point. Although she still is the moral compass of mm. the whole ship to begin with, so it indi- it's only indicated in that sense. But it made you know it made me question why is Tom Skerritt, um, you know, listed first because she's he's the le- she's the lead. Mm. But it it does throw it does throw the scent off of who who the hero is. That's a really good point, Luke. Just just in Hollywood terms, I mean, Skerritt was already a known quantity. Whereas um, a year before sure. this is when Sigourney Weaver was in Woody Allen's Manhattan. And if you don't what you're like, what? She was in Manhattan. She's just in a shot in the end, like in the distance as his next day. She doesn't have a line or anything. So, you know, previous to this, she didn't have that much going on. She was an extra in a Woody Allen movie, you know? So, <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, like is I don't remember if John Hurt's name is uh, is below or above hers because he was al- already relatively it's well known by this. It's gonna point. be after hers, I think. Is there because so no matter what though, even if she isn't relatively known, it is by how big the role is, right? Um, because it's interesting because Parker is whoever, whoever that gentleman who played that the role. It's as Parker. He's the only one that's as Parker. So that's interesting too. Oh. Hey, I'm about to blow your mind. Uh, Parker, the actor's name is Yafet Koto. Yafet! That's right. So now you know where that name comes from on the world. So Oriole. cute. So <laughs> cute. Now I know. And of course, he's the chief engineer on on the uh, Nostradamo. So. <laughs> Amazing. I, I just figured that out looking at the wiki list here. Yeah, but uh, if the wiki list is correct, yes, Garrett's first built Sigourney Weaver second. And actually, we get a Veronica Cartwright and Harry Dean Stanton before john hurt so maybe john hurt wasn't 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 the shit at this point i don't know (laughs) we have had a couple producers on the show talking about this and that and like the mechanics of how someone gets their name in the credits is mad meaning in terms of like contracts it's all all contracts and negotiations and like this guy gets to be introducing and this guy gets to be also starring and well, introducing is specifically for hasn't been in a film. But uh, even then, like um, in like a film like Friday the 13th, most of them haven't been in a film. But Johnny Depp's agent managed to get the and introducing. Right. That, and that is a negotiation yeah. going, uh-uh, you were debuting deb- no, no, you you my guy's, actor. My guy's going to be big. you got to exactly. say introducing him. Exactly. Just for, just for the people screaming at their phones, you meant Nightmare on Elm Street. What did I say? Friday the 13th. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have 13th. known because I don't watch that kind of junk. It scares me <laughs> too much. I did finally get into like Chucky last year and I can see the camp of it all. And, fun- and so- sweetly, Matthew was like, I don't know. You said you don't like horror, but can you do alien? I can do alien, but because of the narrative aspect of it. Right. It's And she's so mm. it's just so good. Uh, it's still fucking freaky when he kicks over the thing when they're looking for the face hugger. And after it leaves John Hurt's face, that's fr- like I get a good jump scare. But if you're talking about like gore, Freddy's putting 
nails into your face. I don't know. I don't want to watch it. It's not. It's not my thing. It's just not my thing. The, gore doesn't. Re- I'm mega desensitized to gore, and <laughs> even jump scares. They'll get me in the moment, but they don't bother me too much. It's like I can handle it's some creepy gore. horror that I don't like. Like what? What would go under the list like, of creepy like horror? Like the Ring or the Grudge. Mm. You know, ironically, sort of, the Japanese. You can't horror. really understand it. That kind of thing. <laughs> the ring freaked me the fuck out for sure absolutely yeah like the jump scare in here i mean as i said i tend to skip it but i will be and say like hey if you're in for a jump scare that's like a perfectly constructed jump scare as opposed to say event horizon which is annoying <laughs> <laughs> i don't like I, I definitely get pissed at the annoying jump scare because i'm gonna jump i'm a jumpy person um I was sitting here mixing music yesterday and my wife was right behind me. I was, I was like, ah! I, I hate it. I hate yeah. it. I was my like, brother yeah. would hide in the closet down the hall that led to both of our bedrooms for an hour waiting until I would walk down the hall just to get me, like to fucking scare me. And I, it's the worst. I, I would, I would leave a part. I told one of my best friends, if you pull practical jokes on me that include that, I don't, we're never, I will never forgive you. <laughs> Me and my brother used to hide so that we could jump out and say, I'm Batman. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Speaking of um, Friday the 13th, though, my uncles lived with us at one point when they moved out from New Jersey to Los Angeles. And the youngest uncle would go would always like they would tell us the story on Halloween of a young kid named Michael. And my uncle would like leave the room quietly going dun 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 <laughs> like and then hide also and try to scare the fuck out of us after we left. Like it worked. It worked. I don't like it, but it worked. I was just watching a few of the old Tim and Eric sketches where they have spaghetti, the guy that hides behind the plant for like an hour so he can jump out. People are like, What are you doing? I thought it was someone's kids back there. <laughs> oh, 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 oh my god i love tim and eric i don't know that i've seen all of the uh, tim i actually think is tim is my favorite anyway we're digressing which is fine because it's a podcast that's um, right um veronica cartwright as uh oh geez what's her name i guess she's kind of like the the uh, the antithesis of ripley more or less mm. it's lambert okay so yeah i i every time i watch it she kind of contrasts a little more i guess it's like well, she doesn't have to either just because she's a woman. She doesn't have to be the contrast to Ripley either. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, just we don't need to compare her just because she's the other woman on the ship that she's Ripley's foil. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah she's, not that. I guess I just like since we're seeing such a, you know, strong she character. Is, I think she's a lot closer to the female characters that usually star in a horror movie. I guess that's what I'm saying. She's Emotional and scared. And I, I wonder if that's what Ridley Scott was going for. But I can see your point. There's a whole crew of characters and they both have their place among them. It's not like... Just because she's the older woman, yeah. she's... But now that being said, just to, to be fair too, to that same point, Ripley was originally written for a male and they didn't rewrite the the lines. So that if that woman was written... She wasn't written as a foil to Ripley mm. in that sense. Um, it, they just realized that it would it was a better choice to make the character female, um, which is actually why my improv group took it. Because it's like, oh, yeah, we can fucking play any role. Who gives a shit? You, you don't not believe Ripley as a competent, strong 
woman or, you know, or leader regardless of gender. Um, mm. But you're, you're not wrong, Matthew, that she's, de- uh, Lambert is definitely emotional. She's griping. She's bitching. She doesn't want to fucking be there. I would be that character. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, I don't want, come on. But also if you recognize too, she's like, this place gives me the fucking creeps. Everyone's saying that Parker's saying that, but she's like, we shouldn't be here. She's got a bad feeling and her gut, her like woman's intuition is going off for sure. And, you know, she's not wrong. Yeah, she's not yeah. wrong. I mean, we should make it clear the person the person who really screws up, even John Hurt, he's he's exploring maybe a little too genki. But, yeah, he's not a scientist. You know, he, he, he probably shouldn't looked into that egg. Um, you know, the one that makes the truly horrible decision is, is our robot Ash. Right. He's mm. the one that is like, OK, because Ripley's like, hey, we can't bring him in. There's like, you know, there's rules for a reason, which are quickly proven once ash just opens the door <laughs> well and and he he does make a mistake but he doesn't make a mistake oh, right yeah, he His knew whole, exactly what he was doing exactly and that god what a brilliant reveal of him being an android because he's eating and has emotions and scared mm. easily we don't we we don't know that he's got literally an override in his brain that's saying no matter what you have to my question is how much does he understand about the alien, the xenomorph, the alien? By the way, I think xenomorph just means unidentified species, <laughs> unidentified mm-hmm. alien species. Um, how much does he know? Like when Ripley comes to question him about disobeying her order, does he know more about the alien than he's letting on? Is he aware that this is a parasite? Does he not give a shit that it's a parasite? I'm sure other people have done more research onto it than I'm than me just questioning just that. But you guys watching have a thought? the film, it feels like he doesn't know very much. But if you now watch the like two prequels and three sequels and the comic book series and the crossovers, mm. blah blah blah, it's probably implied that he knows a whole bunch of stuff. Or but like can't extrapolate I get from this film. Well, I I see, I see that he's withholding information, and I mm. don't mean he understands. I I've we've seen this creature before. I think he's just scientifically understands. Like when he says the oxygen is, he's giving him oxygen. And when then we see like the liquids pouring down John Hurt's throat in that cat scan or whatever, mm. I think Ash knows. He's figured out something's going on. Yeah. That he's being impregnated or something. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I kind of, like, like just to back up Luke's idea, I feel like watching this movie um, just without, just on its own. Yeah, he just knows, he just knows there's something there probably. Whereas um, with the entire franchise, he knows at least knows about those weird aliens that don't quite look like aliens from Prometheus. So I don't, I don't remember what happened in the other prequels. Cause I don't even remember if there's one or two other prequels. <laughs> there's so much, right? Yeah. I've lost track. Um, hey Luke, do you remember it was Prometheus? And I think one there's just one, after- but I get what you mean. Yeah. It's, it's all kind of muddled up, which is, which is why this movie, again, I guess it's, a, it's better than the RoboCop situation where there's RoboCop and there's a whole lot of crap. Like Aliens is good. Alien Three has its things. Even Resurrection, you were mentioning you'd seen, and that that has some cool ideas and stuff. So um, Prometheus has the best design ever, even if the movie itself has a few flaws. But yeah. but yeah, it is definitely a Alien is up here, and the best anything else gets is not quite there. Although you know, I guess you'll find people that will argue aliens like pretty yeah. hard. I mean, I, I would prefer to watch aliens, but I do I think had... alien is the masterpiece. Yeah, it's the masterpiece. Totally. 
Yeah, I actually watched this one more um, for whatever reason. I, I guess I just I, I I see I like the atmospheric horror. That's mm. that's maybe what you well, don't like. I'm more now. I when she asked what did, didn't you like, I was sitting there thinking of '60s films like The Haunting and stuff, you know. But <laughs> yeah, sure. Interesting. What was scary about The Haunting? Is that the what is The Haunting? I it's been so long since I've seen. I can't sit here and give a proper plot description. There's a '60s version which um. You know, basically, it's a very creepy, atmospheric, haunted house sort of film. Uh, yes, re- didn't Captain Zeta Jones do one? They or... remade it in the late yeah. '90s, put a bunch of C- like late '90s CG in it, that sort of thing, and yep, didn't really square, didn't really stick the landing on the remake. But the '60s one's quite, you know, haunting a hill house. Also has an older version that has a certain kind of creepiness. Um, yeah. Now I probably now I really want to watch aliens because i just haven't gone out of my way but i think i like this movie so much because of how much time it takes just to tell the story and the and the visuals are doing ridley scott did number two or did he not no um james cameron did the second one that makes sense because ridley scott specifically with like letting the whole ship be its own character let like watching how the ship in the beginning has movement without them i have a question though where was the fucking cat the whole time? Was it also in stasis? Was it also frozen? It had maybe, to have been, right? Maybe the reason they take the cat is because while they're in stasis, it's eating all the mice. There you go. <laughs> That's a really there, good argument, Luke. I was thinking they're thinking it should be like like Red Dwarf, and when they come out, they should have um, <laughs> what's his name singing singing Danny songs. John Jules, yeah, 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 singing <laughs> his his uh hit UK hits <laughs> having All the evolved. hits from the uk <laughs> um let's see uh we before we completely finish with the actors what else do we got we mentioned yafet that was a that was thing ian holm yeah and, and henry harry dean stanton we, we gotta at least like mention that yeah I, mean, I, I always like seeing him turn up and stuff you can yeah, mention so every good. actor in this film because there's not so many right than the individual actors i like just the overall vibe of they do just feel like working class guys at their job oh yeah space truckers right that was kind of the concept they don't like this isn't the enterprise these guys are not you know space explorers it's just my job happens to be on a spaceship yep totally and then you get the motivation right away with the money they all Mm. want they're all really concerned with money and that's why they stop griping about having to go explore you know the the un, un, unknown life form and the film doesn't like judge them for it there's no character who's like oh don't you just believe in the science you guys always ask for money 
the film's just like, no, yeah, these are guys doing their job. They should get paid to do their work, which I think. Because me and Matt watched Dark Star, which is the student film um, Ridley Scott made about just guys living on a spaceship. And John Carpenter. Oh, oh. Uh, oh, that was John Carpenter? But, but, uh, same it was the same writer as okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan O'Badden. He he's he wrote and actually has a role in Dark Star and then he wrote Alien. Okay, I knew there was a connection because it does feel like a very similar vibe until the alien shows up. <laughs> well yeah, it's a in Dark Star it's a it, it's a large beach ball with feet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so definitely, you know, plus to the uh to the xenomorph um in this one. <laughs> The, the other one that uh, we might have even mentioned during Dark Star, but um, uh, Alex, La, Alejandro, Alexandro Urowski made, was trying to make Dune. Alejandro? Yeah, thank you. I, I know I'm just like ripping apart the name. But, uh, I, I, don't, I think everyone has for years. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was trying to make it in the 70s, right? Which looked like it just like if you thought david lynch's version of dune was dune was trippy this was going to be like you know 10 times mm-hmm. trippier because uh for people not familiar with him he made stuff like el topo and the holy mountain this is you know people take lsd and go see midnight showings in these movies <laughs> that mm. sort of thing <laughs> but uh a lot of the design th- there was a lot of pre-production work a lot of concepts made maybe even a model or two i don't remember but uh yeah a lot of the people working on that just basically poured it over to alien when when the oh. dune project uh, fell apart so um uh giger i think was actually involved with the dune and um o- o'bannon was and and several other people as well that's interesting i i don't see any influence from that though because if you're right to say that the yodorowsky um all the concept art from that seems super trippy and this seems really straightforward like yeah. this is what i would expect a truck to look like in space in mm. 200 years from now, essentially. Like it's a little dirty. The, you know, the masks are a little scratched up. Nothing's really perfect. It's kind of not working. I, Cause like what I really re- admire about the Dune films. And I think uh, the Jodorowsky ones or the Jodorowsky ones would have done this as well is reimagine space in a new way since uh, unlike anyone else had done since Star Wars came out. Mm. Star Wars was set like the tone for how people v- envision space and everyone was kind of doing their own knockoff version. And then, you know, Lynch was like, fuck it. I'll just make it everything yellow and orange. That's mm. going to be totally different. Color of sand. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, the, a lot of the same crew, but by that point, they didn't have a guy telling them that you would be my spiritual warriors. You know, they just had Ridley Scott, like, let's make a movie. The one <laughs> thing, the the pilot they find at the start of Alien, that could have been the pilots from Dune. Because they're meant to be kind of alien and impossible to understand. It totally, because it had like a, a, a snout. Yeah, 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 it was all like plugged into a device and whatever. Yeah, what the oh gosh, the guy, the guy, the Freightliner dudes. I know exactly that full space. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. exactly what you're talking. That's pretty cool. That's a really nice. And I would, there. I would have loved to have seen an HR Geiger designed sandworm. Interesting. Yeah, that might be a little disturbing, but sure. Yeah, I <laughs> liked the new movies. Um, I really like the new movie. Yeah, but I don't love this sandworm idea. But I don't know how you could do it 
Mm. I think they tried really hard to be different from David Lynch's. And I miss, I'm sad that we didn't have the internal dialogue and the sandworm looked really fucking weird to me. It just, (laughs) it just did. Um, But I get it. And I understand the concept of the the worm and, and why they didn't do internal dialogue, but we were really missing that. We really missed it. I think that's my, um... my opinion. The funny thing me and Matt noted is um, almost everything in the film was trying so hard to be different to the Lynch one. Yes. Apart from the still suits, which look exactly the same. <laughs> exactly the same. <laughs> they look like Kanye outfits or yeah. something. Yeah. you're. I mean, you're totally right. That, that was not. I don't know how you could reimagine it completely differently. Although, mm. were they gray? Because I believe it's described as gray in the book. Yeah, I think they they were more like black in the new film. They're supposed to be. Anyway, whatever. You're totally right. (laughs) Uh, I was trying to catch how many times they walked around without the caps on. It's kind of like, okay, Zendaya, why do you have a scarf on instead of your hat? You should you should definitely put the full still suit on. (laughs) It's hot out there. Well, yeah, even (laughs) just head from your head, heat is escaping and moisture. So like cover the whole flipping thing. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah, but you know, you don't hire Zendaya and timothy chalamet to not show their faces this is actually absolutely true still i i am disappointed (laughs) like all the superheroes never keep their masks on anymore because they're paying those actors too much that's a really good point or they can Uh, just you know multiverse them out anyway the last couple of times i I watched alien i definitely keyed in on um just how perfect we we were talking about the alien design and all that and the the gorpy more you know dooney stuff but um the the ship at the end to me is just like absolutely perfect production where you got the alarm the klaxons blaring and the smoke coming out of the right places and i'm gonna give props to something that unfortunately no longer exists but the thing that really got me to notice was um the great movie ride at uh disney world in florida Mm. because it was mostly like singing in the rain and uh you'd go through it was a dark ride You'd, you'd slowly move through movie scenes gangster sets and one of them was the corridor of the nostromo with the alien popping out of the wall gross i hate it (laughs) (laughs) that i hate oh yeah yeah i hate it on the ride too but again the atmosphere they recreate the atmosphere so well on that ride now when i see the movie i'm like oh yeah this is just like this is just like perfect you know yeah yeah. (laughs) so but they don't try too hard right he's not he's not like He's not trying too hard to do outlandish designs. He's making, he's definitely, they definitely started from the ground up. They went, what, what, like any good science fiction extrapolates from what we have today Mm. and just builds on it. How would we naturally engineer from what we are starting with today? That is very much a 70s truck in space. I 80% agree with you, but I am wondering why we have a wet room with lots of chains hanging down. I can't quite work out the purpose. Good point. I guess it's a cargo bay. Also, were they meant to be like mining or something before they turned around and went this way? They were returning to Earth post mining, right? Or post, or they were towing. I don't even know if they were mining, they were towing. Yeah, they're, they're the um, 200 million tons of something or other the the space miners are still dealing with the horta okay okay <laughs> so yeah i had the impression they don't do the mining they're simply the uh transport i mean you know, like you know just like in the real world the miners don't move the the coal or whatever <laughs> right it seems it seems that way 
it, it it did like as a kid especially it took me like years to figure out like it's a tiny somewhat tiny ship tugging a, a giant rig i mean again like a truck but i don't know for whatever that's something that didn't really come across to me until like the 10th time i, I saw this movie I, maybe that's like a problem with my own intellect but <laughs> well and that's no. uh that's actually like a really good bit of sci-fi right because in space you don't need a big ship to tug something you big. wouldn't want one you gotta you just, you you gotta just need a little prod i mean we have what about what are our dinghies you know they're little yeah dinghies yeah, are yeah, little. yeah even in in the sea that works right so right it's going to be doubly true in space they have nice silent space in this movie which mm. I always appreciate when movies can pull that off because oh, yeah, you, 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 no you one can get... hear you scream. Right, right. Yeah, you definitely right. can't do an alien. <laughs> you know, we just watched Armageddon, which has the giant space explosions, right? So <laughs> loud. You know, the the theater shakes with the late '90s DTS, all of that. Uh, this one, of course, being a mostly quieter movie. That's that's another reason I like to segment the end so much. Everything's been so quiet with the occasional, you know, shocks, but now it's just, you know, everything's blaring yeah, all at once. Blaring in your face. It just breathes. Like we're just watching and like walk the corridors and it's just like perfect. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's what I was meaning. Like watching how Ridley Scott lets the camera work and the set and the ship do the, do the storytelling. You, how much of this movie is space jargon of like uh, inertial dampeners and like, like, you know, they're just basically we see them doing their day to day for the most part, you know, when they're landing the ship or it's been the whole breached or whatever. Um, but then in, in the, in between, they don't fill it all with dialogue. They let the action or, or the space do the work. Yeah, I agree. It, quiet space is good too. Oh, that's what you're talking about. It's qu- like actually space outside being quiet as opposed yep. to explosions. Got it. Cool. cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. We got plenty of noise inside the ship. We just don't, we don't get it outside. Which is good. That's what it's supposed to be, right? Yeah, like her, her big escape at the end, you you hear some rumble from the engine because she's in the shuttlecraft, and otherwise there's no whoosh or anything. You just see right. the ship run out, and then you see it kind of blow up in the background. Do they do they have a noise for that? I can't remember. I don't think so. Yeah, okay, that's cool. I think there's, maybe there's music at that point to sort of hide uh, it. But... Yeah, I think that's the case. So, again, a little, you know, ah. you, you can give them that. For sure. In space, no one can hear music. So, unless you're playing in your shuttlecraft, she's she's just got it on, you know, speakers in her, in her <laughs> shuttlecraft. Probably, <laughs> you got you got to play dramatic music for your escape. She's had it queued up for months, right? She rushed like, oh, if ever this happens, this is my <laughs> emergency playlist. <laughs> I, I do love that when we find out. Um, I, I always refer to um, in the last Transformers movie, the 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 singing butler robot. I just, that's one of my favorite things ever, even though I don't think I'm not, we do have to watch that again. Cause they plug into Stonehenge or whatever, but uh, I don't remember that being my favorite other than that.
So we need to talk about the real main character of this film, which is the oh, alien. Oh, the alien. I, okay. I, I... What an incredible monster design. I completely rewrote the rules. It doesn't, I can't think of anything before this that looks remotely like that. I'm sitting here racking my brain. Because, yeah, we got, we, and not Quatermass. What well, was Quatermass? We got the weird locust things. Creature in a Black Lagoon is weirdly cute, I guess. Um, this genuinely looks alien. Yeah. Yeah. They, what they did so well was they said, okay, we have something that starts as an egg that needs to gestate in a, in a, in a organic host and then grows like they, I think what they did well is what would something like that look like? Mm. And then we get this insane, like, and then how would another one punch this? Like it, it's, you're totally right. That you, and the, but the, yeah, there's still something so freaky about it because it's almost it's not even though it's so brand new, it's still ha- it still feels like something we we're all, well, we all see, know we should be scared of. You could see the little bits of human that it's taken from John Hurt, like right? The ribs and just the structure of it. So it's it's like an alien corruption of a person. And some of the alien in the seat that's been fossilized that they find yeah. it has a little bit of that too. Like I think the dome, if I'm uh, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah, that's such it's such a good point. I I don't I would challenge your listeners to find an alien up to this point that isn't Star Wars. Also, that <laughs> that is genuinely that different. Well, this is a, a somewhat I think a somewhat rare case of a superstar production designer, and I mean I'm saying it right. What is it? Giger Geiger is the product. Right, right, right. I've never actually been sure. I've always seen it written down. If it's G E I G E R, that's Geiger. Okay, okay Geiger, like a Geiger counter. We'll yeah. go with that today. And if it's the the other, at least we gave it some lip service. But yeah, it, it was you saying you went to the museum, right? No, that was um. Who was that? That was our guest Jake from the oh. Pure Mom podcast. Oh, okay. He said he had gone to because I I just remember that being a trippy story because yeah, because he, he like, just stumbled across it on a trip to like Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah, because this is a case where just a freaky, like, you actually, the design of the alien stuff of this movie kind of brings you into, like, how weird this guy's mind was more than a, the normal production designer. Because let's take, um, you know, like like the Star Trek guys, they build cool ships, but there's an aesthetic there. And this guy is just like, his subconscious is like, coming all out onto the screen. And it it had a huge impact because suddenly, like, all the comic books and video games are full of basically this exact alien. Contrary to all these aliens, the X-Men start fighting the brood all of a sudden. The whole Metroid series, one of my favorite game series, is massively inspired by Alien. And how many Down to having a surprise female now? protagonist at the end. <laughs> yeah, so many space marines at this point. I mean, I mean, that's more the sequel, of course, but mm-hmm. I think the idea still holds pretty well for that. But, um, yeah, what what are, are there any other production designers or movies that quite have this? Uh, uh, Douglas Trumbull to a certain extent, but I guess he's more of a effects, effects guy, player. right? Oh, yeah. maybe Stan Winston. Okay, that, definitely, definitely Stan Winston, sure. Um, but yeah, somewhere, somewhere, just the, you know. But yeah, you you say like Geigeresque, and everyone has exactly the image. It's like saying Beatles, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
So what what is the image that comes to your mind when someone says that? I, I actually don't get the alien. I get the cover to the um, Emerson, Lake and Palmer album, Brain Salad Surgery. Which yes, is, what I get is that room they find the pilot in. Yeah. yeah. The ribbed walls, the sort of the, the strange shapes, everything flowing into everything else in that way. The, the symbiosis or whatever. I definitely didn't pronounce that right. Yeah, in that you, room. That's, that's the not, image that Geiger gives me. That's not too far off from the braid salad surgery cover anyway. So, okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, definitely a, a real aesthetic there. Um, I guess one thing that hasn't aged so well in this movie and that the newer versions have had to deal with is um, mother, the computer, like no longer makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> I don't think anyone saw how computers were going to evolve and you can't blame them no you can't blame them just is a... it you who pointed out the thing about screens that Maybe. no matter how good a sci-fi film made its future look <laughs> none of them saw flat screens coming <laughs> it was yeah. all the green text <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah or it was all big cubic right. tvs no one ever saw like oh maybe these won't look like this in a few years <laughs> I still think like everyone that's like doing ah see through tablets or whatever. I don't think we're ever gonna get that. I think actually seem convenient. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. I I actually think it's we're gonna be closer to. It's all gonna be in our eyes, and we're just mm. gonna look and eye flick and tell it what to do, and we're never gonna communicate with each other. <laughs> Course, uh, if I remember, Luke, you're on the page where you do not want the Neuralink. You just want robot arms and like. Yeah, I'll, I'll have robot everything, but I don't want anything in my brain. Mm. <laughs> so you'll have trouble with the the i either net i net. Well, I, I'll just get the contacts version. I won't get it injected into my eyeballs. Yeah, so you can be mind controlled by Elon Musk. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I don't care how many horses he buys me. I'm not touching that. Now my dad was buying your horses. Oh, did you not hear that one? No. He tried to get a flight attendant to touch him and told her he'd buy her a horse. No. Ouch. Okay. When was no. that? Just That's now. Pretty recently. Okay. That's so upsetting. Yeah, it's bad. But it looks... the the bit that made it kind of funny is before the news broke, he put out some tweet that's like, "Oh, I think I've offended someone in uh, Washington. You're going to hear some fake news about me soon." And like, the very uh -huh. next day, the story uh -huh. broke. <laughs> that's right you nice know what try. i believe i believe him <laughs> <laughs> jesus i'm that i'm obviously joking yeah. jesus christ <laughs> yeah uh, try I, I guess trying to take the cringe factor out um I, I will say my dad was a computer programmer in the 80s so mm. um in the center of this office was the you know unnaturally cold room with the big tape you know spinner things and a and a console so i do see like that that was basically like 80s corporate mother right so i do see why they did it this way in the movie it does make sense just that you know that I do find those kind of old school sci-fi computers really charming though mm -hmm. it's all clicking and whirring and you got to unplug this bit and plug in that bit and like in um star trek tos when they've got the little tapes they have to unplug and plug i in. love that 
it's so analog in the best way. And yeah. my brain fills in the gaps like, oh, that stuff holds one million jillion gigabytes yeah, 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 of yeah. information. Because if it's that big in the space, you know, of course they have it like that or whatever. I, I, I find it charming, too. One book, one pad. Do you want another book? You get another pad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, that's something Star Trek definitely found um, some issue with. Like, you know, they're like, you know, once we get to Enterprise, they do start putting the touch screens in and Discovery. Now it's all in the air. And it's like, you know, maybe people do just want some jelly buttons. So, well, the funny thing I find about seeing any computer in Star Trek is nothing is labeled <laughs> and everything is just colored squares and shapes. That's How long must Academy's it take to for. learn to use one of those computers? <laughs> A very long time. Maybe that's deliberate. Maybe they just. They don't want any old pleb to be able to fly one of their starships. Oh, that's ships, a good so point. They make it obnoxiously complicated. They do. They you put have... a bunch of dots on the panel, like the dots, the candy. That's a really good idea. I mean, turn right is like, you know, evasive plan delta, right? You have to memorize yeah. all that crap. You can't just say turn right. But I was going to say my, my daughter started doing kendo in April. And, and we're actually going to get the actual, you know, like the helmet and the real gear like this weekend. So because all she's been doing is learning the patterns and memorizing mm. the patterns. So, um, no, I mean, you should still label your buttons on a starship for sure. But just maybe it's that kind of idea. <laughs> you maybe memorize... if you need the labels, you're not ready to fly a starship. That's my point. Yeah, you can you should be able to do a blind, right? <laughs> That, that's how in Star Trek 3 they could fly the Enterprise with six people. They brought labels along. And <laughs> Love you that. Just, you just didn't get a shot of that. That's all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the clickety-clack computers. But I do remember, um, you know, like Prometheus, now we have all these like crazy, you know, digital like VR displays. It's like, and it's before this? Wait, what's happening? You could just say that the Nostromo is like a really cheap ship. Well, yeah, I mean, really that does company. kind of work because... Prometheus has like the world's richest man on board the ship and it's a science vessel and whatever. And this is, as we keep saying, just a truck. Correct. Yeah, that's it. I think that I think that's how you shift it. I think or like that's how you frame it is that it's a different. This is a different ship. It's probably 300 years old because they've been using the same method. What, what year does this take place in? I have no idea. The future. I don't okay. think they say, which I like is. It's open ended in that yeah. way. The films are not good at predicting. <laughs> That's a good point. How many point. films have we watched now which were set in the future and we've gone past them? That's a really good point. That's a real yeah, we don't have rocket packets, rocket packs. So, I mean, we do, but the whole world doesn't have them. Wiki doesn't seem to know the year, so I'm going to go ahead and say that they don't tell us. <laughs> I think that's right. I think that's right. But that makes sense though. I that. Yeah. Would would this movie be undone if it had been titled Space Truckers? <laughs> I don't it's think it would have had quite the cultural impact. Space yeah. truckers, <laughs> or even with just space truck. <laughs> trucks space. No trucks one can hear space. you. Trucks. Oh, we trucks got, in space. Yeah, we got space plates. You know, space glasses. Why not a space truck? That'd be good. But um, I, Roger Corman. That should have been right. He forgot to make space truck after this. That's the problem. <laughs> So we got Battle Beyond the Stars for Star Wars, right? So right. We, we need some space truck. Well, that that is a good question. Because, yeah, Star Wars, you can very clearly point to, you know, Battlestar Galactica, Battle Beyond the Stars, the films that ripped it off. What's the film that tried to be Alien? 
there's uh, Alien 2. Do you know what I'm okay. talking about? Is that like the Italian one or whatever? Yeah, it takes place mostly in like a bowling alley or something. Oh my god. For real? <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> it was made in like 1983, so it's before the actual sequel. And they yeah tried to make their, their Italian uh, grand... What was it? Gulal? I don't remember how to say the word, but yeah. Their Italian horror movie, so... A, nice. a very, I think I think that's the sort of thing you definitely watch on YouTube. So, <laughs> or at least a video of people gawking at it, if not that. So it's got to have some presence. We should do Alien too before we do Aliens, just to annoy all the Aliens people. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it is Alien. It is the second one. It was made Aliens. Yeah. Is the you know, third. death of the author and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the DC didn't get the Fast and Furious naming conventions, right? <laughs> Which have a whole different kind of bazaar in Japan. Yeah, Wild like, Speed. Oh, I'm sure. Well, they're so not even called Fast and the Furious here. They're called Wild Speed. So that's like Wild, wild Speed. speed. Uh, wild Speed Ice Mission. You're like, what? <laughs> wild Speed? That's wild. Yeah. I mean, literally. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, just, you know, naming things is quite a convention. Like, um, if what, what was Cary Grant's real name? It was something ridiculous. Like, oh. Oh, you had to have an American-sounding name, or else you weren't gonna fly. Even they—they they even told uh, Renee Zellweger that you shouldn't use her name, and she's like, "I'm gonna use my name." Oh, but Cary Grant definitely needed to change his name, and I'm—I'm I'm looking up his. I'm so curious. Uh, I, I thought I had that like on tap, but apparently I don't. So you do, but your brain just isn't—it's not in that mode right now. Archibald Leach. Oh no! North by Northwest, starring Archibald Leach. Archibald, Archibald, like I can't, I can't even say it. We we can shorten it to Archie if you want. Archie Leach. Archie Leach. Artie. Wow. Artie Leach. Yeah. Archibald L. Hey, there's another X Men reference. I think that's what they named one of the characters in X Factor, like one of the one of the X- super mutiny kids they carry brought around with them. I think it was called Artie Leach. Mutiny kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it like a big blue head or something? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> But uh, yeah, what you name thing is, is is interesting, and, and it's kind of surprising there could not been another film called Alien by 1979. Mm. That's kind of weird to think about. I guess they felt like they needed to like qualify it more, like you know, Alien from five million miles away, which is really close. When you okay, think. is this the birth of films having these like extremely vague one word names? Wow, that's a thought. Because we were talking about that, we did um, that Tom Cruise film, Oblivion, and it has kind of the feel of a 70s sci-fi. But if it was a 70s sci-fi, it would have a cooler name. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, every, has... everything is just called Word now. I think I think the crime <laughs> dramas might have had like a, um, that might have been their, their field in the 70s, you know, Clute, Scorpio, you know, they had all the all the one word titles. I think you bring up a good point, though, Luke, that like this movie sets the tone. Everyone kind of goes, you can do this. Although Space Odyssey had I think this has some it harkens to Space Odyssey in this in the actual time, like space and the length and, you know, like the mm. drama of it. But I think you're right. This kind of lends itself to a lot of people tilting their heads and going, you can do it like that. You can make movies like this. I think part of the difference with Space Odyssey Space Odyssey is like, look how amazing space is, revel in it, the majesty of it. Whereas this film, part of its genius is that for the characters, it's just, it's day to day, it's boring for them. 
you're not meant to look at space and be like, wow. You're just like, oh, yeah, we're in space. That's what we do. Totally. And it's, it's only once they realize they're trapped in space with an alien. That, that is a problem. Or it's the, something. Yeah, that void point. outside is a problem. The That's AI kills you in both cases, though. The AI always right. kills you. Right. No <laughs> wonder. No, My friend said, uh, shared with me the best thing that we're so self um self-important that we think that if we created ai that it would want to kill us but it probably would do what it actually does in her which is like ah you guys are pretty boring see ya like <laughs> as opposed yeah. to like turning on us they probably <laughs> wouldn't even bother one of the films where it barely even t makes sense talking about how it holds up but i will say ridley scott in general or in general for me is a bit slow uh mm. Gla gladiator keeps moving of course but that's kind of the exception that proves the rule like you're saying this movie for four-year-olds way too boring uh this one doesn't bore me so much and i'm thinking it's weird because blade runner technically has more going on on screen but somehow that one feels slower to me hmm. <laughs> well i mean also slower. which one are you watching Slow, you know yeah. the director's <laughs> cut or you know i think because this film uses the quiet moments for tension so every time you're not seeing the alien you're, it's still in the back of your mind that it's out there yeah yeah i guess so it, i think sense. But yeah, it they let our brain do this. It is a psychological atmospheric thriller, like you said. Mm. They let our brain do the work for sure. Right. And maybe there's one or two shots where you see. Now it's like okay, that's a man in a suit. <laughs> but for the most part, I think visually the film holds up really well. Pacing wise, a very it doesn't. Tall man in that suit, so doesn't feel that different to a modern movie. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No. As a very much, you could still get away with most of this today. I mean, they probably pump it up in a few spots, but generally, yeah. It, and yeah, aesthetically, any film that tried to create like that tried to create a down to earth version of sci fi after this was basically doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I would well, agree. Let's, well, let's wrap it up a bit for today. Uh, Jessica, you definitely need to, to plug your, your improv because that ties in directly to this and uh, anything else you got going on. Uh, in, I guess this is going to start our creepy October. So that's, that's your timing. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, people may or may not know I'm on Ripley. Improv, I, I'm on a team named Ripley improv after Ellen Ripley. Um, you can find us online. If you type in Ripley improv, I believe we're the only ones. Uh, we don't have much going on right now, but we will eventually. But if you want to just listen to my voice, cause you like it so much, you can um, listen to my new podcast, podcast of the rings. It's Speaking of which, weird names not taken already. It's kind of hard to believe that Podcast of the Rings wasn't taken. Uh, but me and Alex Mitchell, we go through, uh, we're learning. He's very smart about Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth stuff. So he's teaching me about Second Age stuff before the Rings of Power comes out on. Uh, and I, so this will have, this will be, a, this will still be in the middle of watching that series when this episode comes out. 
which is exciting. I keep forgetting that thing's happening. It's happening whether you want it to or not. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's definitely my, happening. I still have my Peter Jackson extended length box set sitting right over there that I still haven't watched. <laughs> Who doesn't love it, though? Who doesn't Matt's, love Matt's it? Matt's never I made I it don't. past fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got halfway into Two Towers, and then I just got distracted, so. Anyway, ah. I'll watch it. Some I got to start over again. It's been a few years, but watch it. <laughs> we're waiting. For, we're waiting for you. <laughs> uh, Luke, do do the thing. I guess. If you like this podcast? We're on Twitter at MLSFS Pod, or also on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Just search Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Make sure you rate and review, like and subscribe, tell all your friends. Blah blah blah. If you want to help support the podcast, keep it online and find links to the other podcasts me and Matt make. Go to Patreon.com/slash/podcastio podcastius. Love it. Thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah, thanks right for coming. On. All right. Well, let's go open up some eggs and see what's inside. Oh, no, bad idea. <laughs> Jason.